0: Welcome to one cardinal, one cub, and one beer, just like the shirt says. Um, Want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, I am your ever gracious host, Vincent, and this is the guy who just needs more energy. I wish I had a co-host that <laughs> had some energy, but I'm stuck with JJ, who is like you know droopy dog. That's 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 the energy level we get there so i do want to encourage you to like us on facebook follow us on x Uh, you can contact us through one card one cup one beer at gmail.com you can subscribe to our page those of you who are on mac or pc by clicking on the icon at the bottom right corner or if you're watching this on tv at the end of the uh, video you just go to our icon highlighted click it and you will be subscribed uh, you can support us through Patreon. just search patreon, go to patreon and search for one card, one cup and one beer and you will find us and you can support our efforts financially and we would be uh greatly appreciated appreciative of that. uh real quick, let me move this. Ah, yeah, this is our second cup. guess the cub. Uh, JJ did not get it uh, so but he he knows who it is now but I, I want to let you know even though you may not recognize the picture this guy has been discussed recently on this show very recently on this show discussed compared Blue to number 1 gamble so Played with the uh, Cubs in the 70s. so um, And I do want to remind you that um, we are taking a just a running tally all through the offseason. When I have a Cub up here, you submit your guess. The first one to get the guess right. Uh, you will get a tally. And uh, at the end of spring training, whoever has the most tallies are going to win a prize package, which will include the official one cardinal, one cup, one beer, coffee mug. There's our mugs on both sides of that. You will get The water bottle, the 500 milliliter water water bottle with the uh, story that we drop uh, almost every Wednesday by noon. So uh, you'll always know when we're dropping. Uh, You should know if you're you're subscribed to it. You're also gonna get, oh, I'm excited about this because we just got this. The uh, official one Cardinal one cup, one beer license plate. Um, It has absolutely no legal power or anything so if you put it on your car I don't know if you get pulled over I know some states you can have just the back plate on I don't know how that works because I'm old and I don't like learning new <laughs> things um, but also you will get a one cardinal one cup beer the official shirt we do have another shirt that one of our gracious listeners has made up for uh, uh, JJ me and and Maxwell has one um, but that's not the official shirt we, we are very grateful for that Um, But I can't ask someone that I really don't know. Hey, would you make us like a million shirts? (laughs) So uh, we are uh, coming out with our official shirt and uh, the grand, the, uh, I guess not the grand prize, the the creme de la creme of this prize package is you will get uh, two tickets to a Cardinal game and we're going to try to make it a Cardinal Cub game. And uh, how good the suits are going to be is based upon how much Patreon money that we pick up. So uh, like I told JJ, you could either be sitting nosebleed or you could have your own suite. It depends on how much of this we get from our
1: Patreons. That's like five hundred dollar value right there.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's like five million dollar value. This thing, this I thing, love it. I cost love me it. two thousand dollars. It's like amazing. Man, stuff is worth.
1: I so. w- wouldn't. I wouldn't put that car, on your car in Milwaukee. They don't really like. Us there, the Cardinals and the Cubs. We're not very popular in the, in the Brewer country. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's right. Um, I do want to uh, uh, let you know about something. I I alluded to it last. week, talked about it a little bit, but I'm going to give you the specifics. Uh, this Saturday at the Am vets in Desoto, Missouri, and I'm I'm promoting this because not only is a, a friend of mine on, and another and another guy that I I just absolutely love. Uh, But also because we have a lot of listeners in the Jefferson County area and DeSoto is not far. But this Saturday uh, at the AMVETS, that's 1075 AMVET Drive in DeSoto. There's going to be a comedy show and it will be headlined by Larry Reeb. A lot of people know him as Uncle Lair. Um, He's been around for uh, since the 80s and he is just a tremendously hilarious man. I've had the privilege, privilege of working with him and I've seen him on a few other occasions. Uh, in fact, my wife and I, our very first date, I took her to a Larry Reeb show and she still married me, which was amazing. But the amazing Caroline Agnew is going to be featuring and a good friend of JJ and mine's, uh, Jerry Wall is also going to be doing a guest spot. Jerry's kind of put this show together. Um, and Jerry's just tremendously funny. So um, the, uh, Doors open at 530. There will be finger foods and the show starts at seven. So it's not a late night. They do have a bar there. Um, Tickets are $20. You can pick those up at the AMVETS or you can go to PayPal at AMVETS post 48 Missouri. Um, PayPal at AMVETS post 48 Missouri MO. And I'll have that on the screen uh, when I go to edit. Uh, Tickets. Uh, If you you wait until the day of the show, you have to get tickets at the door, and that would be $25. So it saves you a little bit of money if you get the tickets in advance. And I know it's short notice. You're going to be listening to this on Wednesday, and then that's Saturday. But um, if you have nothing else to do, or if you have something else to do, or if you have something really important to do, just put that off. If you got your kid's wedding or something like that, put it off, man. You go to this. Uh, Where's your priorities? But I did want to uh, uh, just go ahead and push that and let people know that. Uh, it will be a good time and you will laugh your donkey off. So,
1: <laughs> <clears throat> JJ. Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question. Well, I'll, I'll do my best. The
0: San Francisco Giants interviewed Alyssa Nakin, who's been on their coaching staff for their managerial position. Okay. This morning I get up, and Kim Eng, who's the general manager, been the general manager of the Marlins for the last three years. She resigned. Um, there was some kind of a problem with the new, with the owner hiring a new vice president of player operations or something. Something rubbed her the wrong way. There was a miscommunication or something, but she resigned. I cannot remember in my life ever having a story about two separate women in management positions and in Major League Baseball history. It's like these two, we, we've talked about the role of women and we had uh, uh, Shannon Logan on here to discuss that. We've talked about the increasing role of women, but by golly, wasn't it just serendipitous that Suddenly, at the same time, you have one who's getting an opportunity, possibly, and one who's having to step down. I don't think uh, uh, Kim Eng's uh, gender has anything to do with her stepping down. I really do believe that there was there's some kind of a, an issue there that doesn't have to do with gender. Um, but it's just a kind of a great time for women in baseball, right here, this microcosm that. They're focused on two different stories about women in management positions. What are your thoughts?
1: I I think that's fantastic. The times are changing, you know, and uh, coaching and managing, it just seems to get bigger and bigger. I remember you used to get a baseball card in the seventies and to be the manager, like four coaches. Well, now there's video people in the video part of it, the, uh, the, you know, all the statistical aspects of it. It's just a bigger thing and, Baseball's international now. There's people from all over the world coming in, and you're right. I have not heard a story. Every once in a while, you would see somebody might get a tryout, but that would be about it. But in management, I hadn't heard anything, and coaching. So it's growing, um, and I know women's softball is getting huge as well. And uh, I know I think the Mets hired um a coach in uniform in the minors, and she's working. Her- her way up through the minor leagues too. So there's been like three stories like that. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think her gender had anything to do with her leaving the Marlins. I know Derek Jeter was there for a while. She's done a great job. Great job. Some tough decisions that uh, she traded that pitcher for a rise who won the AL batting title. And that pitcher has been fantastic. It was a good trade for everybody. That's a good trade. Made the team better. Yeah, a real good job the goal of a trade is not to screw the other team it's not
0: and any general manager will tell you that that happens sometimes you make a trade and one of the players just doesn't work out the goal is for both teams to improve themselves because they're both filling a need and i that may be the most even trade in the past 10 15 years because uh Lopez, in particular, had had a tremendous second half. If it's not for him, the Twins do not You're make right. it to the playoffs. Um, and Arise just had a phenomenal year, won a, won another batting title. So I, I she's done a great job. That was a that was a great trade, and I'm sure she's gonna uh, land on her feet with another organization. And as far as Alyssa knocking goes, um, I don't know if she's a serious candidate. Um, I would hate to think that they're doing the NFL thing, where the NFL just okay, we're gonna we're gonna have our our token minorities, but we really want so and so. Um, Which there's something screwed up with that system too. Well, too, I'm not saying the system is screwed up, but there's something screwed up with the NFL system that they need to fix somehow but anyway um if she does get the job as manager i I think that would be first of all there's probably going to be a lot of fans and i I will say older fans and i'm i'm an older fan um but there's going to be a lot of older fans that are our age that are just this is going to be too much of a shock to their system um but younger people you look at other sports and you see coaches uh, all the time who are who are women in men's sports. You see a lot of men coaches in women's sports. Um, yeah. That's common. I mean, in college basketball, women's college basketball, the big rivalry for decades was Pat Summit at Tennessee and yeah. Gino Arrieto at Connecticut. Um no one bad to deny it that I think the day is coming in all sports where we're going to see more females and baseball is a game where. The knowledge it takes to be uh, a good strategist for softball is the same knowledge that it takes to be a good strategist for baseball. But more and more and more and more and more, the manager has to be someone who can relate to the players. Yes. and if she can do that hey maybe, she, maybe she's got a really good shot at this
1: I, I and i'm excited and i think it could bring a whole new as people who might have been on the outside on baseball just kind of you know novice fans bring them in more closely to see what's going on you know uh i think that would be great uh and it's it's like a hero someone you know if if she could do it maybe i could do it too and you know uh it's just the very get the very best of the very best to involved in the game. So I I'm all for it. And I I'm excited. I, I it's a good time for baseball right now. I like the, most of the rule changes. I do like the American league and the national league. I like the differences a little bit, but now it's just one big league. I don't know what and they're talking about. Uh, some other big changes coming, but uh, as far as the players I think we're seeing some of the best baseball we've ever seen. Some of these players today are so athletic. It's fun. This has been a good time to be a baseball fan. I
0: I agree. It's, I, I did not like the steroid era because this is my philosophy. When I was growing up, hitting a home run was a special thing. Then by special players who who were the best um and when we got to the point where Brady Anderson's hitting 50 home runs and you
1: know that's a good call
0: guys are hitting it, I I think when you're the average player was hitting almost 30 home runs that was like the average and that it, it was arena baseball to coin a term for your sure 90s was. and, and Ten to eight
1: and that's just crazy. All yeah. the time, it's like nine, seven, ten, eight games.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I like where it is now. I I like how the game is. Um, I do miss pitchers pitching complete games, but I'm a realist; those days are over. Uh, I saw a post where someone was saying, "You know, I wish we had the days of Koufax when you pitched so many innings." That someone, the brought up, well, Koufax was washed up by 32, though. You know, <laughs> remember. There were players. There have always been players who pitched to into their forties. Those those are the outliers. Most players, their bodies just can't handle that. And you see, you see a lot of baseballs just littered with people who were really good until injuries set in in their late twenties, early thirties, and yeah, that was it. So oh, I I also
1: the guys that there's no oh. Go you ahead. got guys that there's no explanation for. Nolan Ryan, what was that? That was a – I can't – he defies everything. He pitched uh, complete games, 13, 14 innings, striking out all those guys and played all those years. Uh, Walter Johnson, same thing. Uh, some of these power pitchers. And then you got guys that kind of – became more of a th- they were fireballers and then they became pitchers and uh i think that's the same percentage of pitchers that that did that but you know vince I, one of the thing i like about these playoffs when we get talking about the playoffs is these uh a dusty and uh oh the rangers coach Bochi made decisions that i think sometimes they would have said you know it's time to get him out of there and he lets those pitchers work through tough situations i don't know if it's because they don't trust the middle of the bullpen but uh, I've really enjoyed the playoffs with these pitchers going a little bit further into the games, you know, when they're when they're on when they're on it, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I one thing one, one other thing I want to bring up. I don't watch a whole lot of baseball pregame shows during the playoffs because they drive me crazy. I'm not an A-Rod fan. Um, I. But I, I did have it on, I think, yesterday's game. And they had a rod and they had Jeter, who did not get along. No. And sitting in the middle was Big Poppy, which I gotta love Poppy. So so play nice. We're gonna stick this guy in the middle of (laughs) you who's basically taken a bullet the last few years and survived. So, (laughs) Uh, oh, yeah. It, it just seems to me like the pregame shows for baseball they they they're trying to replicate the success of the NBA pre show pregame shows uh, when they do that. And I I understand I the pregame shows for NBA basketball I will watch the pregame shows because Charles Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Walker they they entertain me and then I, I won't watch the game. Yeah, you know?
1: right, same here. It's the opposite same with here. baseball.
0: I don't care about the pregame show. I want to see the game. So.
1: Well, Vince, how do you feel about this? They've got a thing now they do, which you got the, you've got you got all these players and managers and you can talk to them before the game. You can talk to them after the game. But sometimes in the third inning, they're standing there on the front thing and talking to the manager while the game's going on. I don't like that. You've had all this time to ask the questions. And usually it's something like, uh, how do you feel about his performance today? You know, they could ask that after the game. You know, get your questions in and out, and once the game starts, it's baseball time. I just i I don't care for that at all.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't like when a player hits a home run, and the next thing you know, there's a reporter in the dugout. Uh, what did you hit? Uh, a baseball. Yeah, I, I know you're saying, what, "What pitch did I hit?" But you know, um, I'm with you. I and I know they can't do that there are strict rules this is a part of the game now you have to participate you know that's just the way it is now but I'm with you I kind of like <laughs> leave him alone let them play the game you know
1: just play the game yeah
0: it's... Uh, anyway uh anything going on in Cardinal land
1: no there's rumors. The Cardinals are interested in this. Basically, this is it, guys. The Cardinals are interested in anybody who could pitch, all right? Let's, let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> I think if we can just get any – I'm talking just the third – a couple, two, three uh, – starter number threes, we'll have a better rotation than we did this year. That's the big talk. I think the Cardinals are probably going to have to go the trade route because I'm telling you what, I know the Mets are going to come hot and heavy, and some of these big teams, the Dodgers didn't spend a whole lot of money last year. I think they're saving that money up for Otani. It's going to be a crazy offseason. But as for the Cardinals, I'm a realist. We'll probably end up with, you know, guys that are like number threes on a good pitching staff. Uh, I can see it be Mats, Michaelis, uh, Zach Thompson, and a couple of guys that's probably better than them, which (laughs) – doesn't take a whole heck of a lot but that's the big thing and probably getting a little bullpen help but we're probably going to trade we got to going to have to trade some outfielders and some of those middle infielders because we got too many and make a decision on who we're going to keep them uh i mean i've heard things about cease and bieber and uh glass now those kind of names and trades we'll, we'll see i'm always get disappointed though i try not to get my hopes up too much but in cardinal news that's about it right there it's just as soon as the season's over, boy, the Cardinals are going to come at it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I doubt if we make a move before Christmas, that's just how we are. I, I, there'll just be a lot of negotiating and talking. And then it seems like when the top free agents go, then the dominoes start falling and then the Cardinals get some scrap somewhere. But that's probably, yeah, someone, that's it in Cardinal news guys.
0: Someone big has to sign to uh, set the market. And then everything yeah. falls from there. Um, i seen some reports of the possibility of Yachty coming back on the coaching staff do you think those are credible or uh
1: possibly i think he tries to stay away this year because you know keep the attention off of him but it was great when he came back for wayno's thing and it was just a big heartwarming thing and i I do see him in part of baseball coming back in some capacity and i hope it's with the cardinals and we do i don't know what he would be though uh just working with the catchers or would he be a bench coach that would be a good spot for him a bench coach he has a lot of respect amongst his teammates his older teammates so <clears throat> that would be awesome you know
0: yeah i don't him starting as a bench coach because your bench coach is basically the guy who's thinking about the uh the details that the manager isn't thinking about and kind of being that sounding board hey you need, so I, I don't. I, I would think he'd need some seasoning somewhere else. It's almost easier to step in and be a manager than it is a bench coach,
1: I think. You're right. A bench coach usually is a guy who has a lot of experience. You know, uh, Don Zimmer, I think of as a great bench coach yeah. right there. Managed a bunch of times, and now he just, the day-to-day day, day thing, he just concentrated on being a sounding board for the manager. So, yeah, uh, yeah you're right. You're right. Well, he might be manager. We'll see what happens here.
0: That's kind of what I'm. You know, they, you know, Ali's coming back and everything like that. But eh, if Yadi says I want to be manager, what are you going to say? No.
1: <laughs> It'd be pop- very popular with the fans, though. He's so popular.
0: There are there are a few things happening in Cub news. Um, the Cubs uh, are scouting. Yuki Matsui from Japan, um, he is a closer. He has 236 career saves in the Japanese league. His fastball sits at about 96. He has a slider, a splitter, a change, a cutter, a curveball to go along with the fastball. He's a six-pitch pitcher who's a closer. Now, man, in the States, they like the closer to be basically a two-pitch pitcher. And I don't know if when he got here, they would say, Hey, you need to consolidate. We're going to fastball split or whatever, you know, fastball cutter split. I don't know. But in Japan, he's throwing six pitches and his ERA has been sub two the last three or four seasons. And he's only 28. So, wow. um, the Cubs, uh, have scouted him. They've scouted, uh, Yamamoto. So, uh, they're spending. uh, quite a bit of time and resources looking at these Japanese stars and uh, you know, like I said, we, we already got uh Suzuki. We're going to be pursuing Otani, you know, maybe, maybe all this will work in our favor. I don't know. Look at you.
1: Look at you smiling. I see that smile on your face. You're getting excited. Oh, I can oh tell. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in uh, the updated uh, uh, rankings of prospects, the Cubs have, uh one two three four five in the top 100 um uh, number 18 PCA number 21 Cade Horton uh who should be pitching for the Cubs next year I don't know if he'll start the, with the Cubs uh big league team but he certainly got you know he's the guy they're comparing to Mark Pryor so uh. wow uh Owen Owen Cassie who we got from uh in the Udarvis trade for the Padres um I don't see him I, I see him as being trade bait because he's a big slugger and he's an outfielder, and our outfield positions are kind of locked up for the future. So he may, um, he may be trade bait. Uh, number forty-six, Kevin Alcantara, the Puma. Uh, oh, yeah. I he's also an outfielder, but I see us holding on to him because he's more of what I would call a five-tool player than uh, Owen Casey is. And uh, number 51, our first round draft pick from last year, Matt Shaw, third baseman. And I foresee us doing this. I foresee us maybe re-signing Candelario or going a different route with an older third baseman for a two-year contract uh, just to hold the position until Matt Shaw. They think he's ready. So I think they see Matt Shaw as a third baseman of the future. So I don't see them going all out to get someone and signing them like like, you know, Matt Chapman or something. Um, I think they'll probably, I think they'll probably Candelario resign him for a couple of years. So that's kind of what I see. But what do I know? The Cubs did fire two coaches. They oh. fired Chris Young, the bullpen coach, um, because it's his fault that they got no bullpen help at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yep. He went right up to management and said, don't you dare trade for bullpen help. I like my boys with our four and a half, five ERAs. And uh, so he got fired for that. And uh, Craig Driver got fired. He's the game's strategy coach. JJ, if you got a strategy coach, what in the hell does the manager do today?
1: it sounds like you're just the scapegoat. You're a guy who's got you. You get to eat at the buffet and sit on the bench and you have a uniform. And when things go wrong, Hey, it's the strategist coach. That seems like a job that you're kind of hanging on by a thread right there. I didn't know there was such a thing, Vince strategist coach. Yeah. I thought it was the manager. Yeah. Yeah, I thought,
0: I thought that was the manager and it seems to me they fired this guy They didn't like the strategies of the game, apparently, because they fired him. That should be the manager. What do managers do today? They have a bitch coach telling them this. They don't set the strategy for the game. They got a strategy coach. Do they just do press conferences? Do they just do the pep talks? I, so. I pep don't know.
1: Top. Man, it's a different world, Vince. It's a different world.
0: Could you imagine if Tony LaRusso if they said, hey, we want to get you a strategy coach.
1: (laughs) He would have went right on channel two and said, yeah, there would have have been the explicit flying there. Whitey Herzog, Leo DeRocher. Can you imagine that? Oh, gosh. Golly. Just just
0: ridiculous. So anyway, Billy
1: Martin, he would have went down there, chewed his butt. He would have chewed his butt all the time.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, Earl Weaver, all the great old crotchety grumpy guys. Oh yeah, yeah that 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 just wouldn't have worked. So anyway, uh, apparently we're gonna hire another one. I don't know. Maybe the the, the manager should try to do that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, that's of news. Uh, let's uh let's jump into the playoffs. Uh, oh, since yeah. the last time we have had Houston take out. Minnesota. And uh in fact, uh, last week when we were recording, Houston was playing Minnesota. They dropped them nine to one like a bad habit. Christian Javier, uh, five innings of one hit baseball. Uh Jose Abreu hit two home runs. And I remember the first half of the season, that guy was terrible. I was thinking, I'm so glad the Cubs did not sign him. He was terrible. But what did he do? He went out there, hit two home runs. Um, they uh they beat the uh Uh, Twins, um, they beat Sonny Gray, they won the series and I was glad Twins finally won a few playoff games got out of the first round um, and uh, uh, it was a good showing for a team in the Central who,
1: eh,
0: maybe the weakest division of baseball, so I was a little happy about that. What do you think about the uh, Twins playoff performance this year?
1: Well I think they should fire their strategist coach you gotta get rid of that guy. It was That's... his fault right there. All right. Yeah, I'm telling you what, what I love about this time of year is like you said a Brayu, uh, it's a good they're a great the Astros great team. Brayu didn't really live up to the building he had, but it's such a good team. He sort of just set in the lineup, and then when you get to this time of year down the stretch, you can become a legend. I mean, <clears throat> David Freeze, that year he had that great stretch, he had an okay year but during the playoffs just magic happened and bucky F. and dent <laughs> bucky F. and dent and the all run over the monster that team was loaded but it was bucky did that put the nail in the coffin so you just never know and now he's coming around and they've got that kid uh alvarez what is going on with this guy i mean his he's smoking balls they're not even coming down they're they're hitting the back of the stadium, and this kid has just been something special. He had a good a decent year, but in the playoffs, he's Ted Williams. I don't know what's going on. A legendary stadium. Why are they pitching to him? I know. Cardinals, David Ortiz. I I, I don't know. I thought. Yeah, I I, I can't believe it. And, and uh you know, there's a part of baseball too. It's Mano Mano. Oh, this guy ain't that good. I'll be the guy that shows you how to get him out. Well, right now, nobody's getting them out and i'm with you vince don't pitch to him mm-hmm. uh the twins did good it was good for their fans they broke that cursed little stretch they had going on but i just thought the astros were too much for them yeah just too and, much uh, dusty baker and dusty baker you know icing on the cake and uh you know there is people uh people going to hall of fame you got people who invent things you got owners you got managers but this I think coaches are a big part of the game as well. Like Dave Duncan. Uh, I because I'm a Cardinal fan, I think of Dave Duncan, but Tony LaRusso will tell you part of his success was because Dave Duncan was always his pitching coach and he could get the most out of his pitchers. Uh, I think a Leo Mazzoni, but Mike Maddox, everywhere he goes, he seems to get the pitching staffs get better. And he's a guy, I think, uh, the fans should appreciate a little more because you really don't see him except walk out on the mound and cover his mouth and then pat the guy on the shoulder and talk to him but everywhere he's gone the pitching staffs have gotten better and uh he's done a great job with the Rangers this year so uh you probably have some cub coaches too that's been there just in the game forever and I think I think the Hall of Fame should uh kind of a spotlight or reward some of these lifers that have just been charlie Lau with his hitting the hitting instructor that was known for george brett and wade boggs and some of these coaches i always think of charlie Lau because he had that every guy who worked with him had that stance like uh brett where they were back on that back foot and the bat was back a little bit more boggs and brett were the the two big successful ones um uh, anyway i digress but uh some of these coaches, if you see them on the side and you see a lot of success year after year after year, Leo Mazzoni, but he had he had gold chippers on that team. Uh the, the Braves pitching coach all those years with Avery and Lee Brandt and all those guys. So uh I just kind of like to spotlight some of those guys and and uh because you always think of Dusty Baker and and Bochi and Ross and Ollie. Well, <laughs> Ross and Ollie, that's a little <laughs> different. But uh anyway, <laughs> but I've been loving these playoffs, Vince. And there's some players that came out of nowhere. Uh, what did you think of the Phillies? Um, you know, the Phillies were a team, a good team all year, but it just seems like they're just clicking at the right time. And that pitching has been phenomenal. They're a three-headed monster with uh Sorez and uh Wheeler and Nola. That they are their ERAs are all sub point three seven, is I think the highest of any of those ERAs throughout all the rounds in the playoffs. And then of course, Trey Turner and Harper and uh, I can't say his name, Kestinellos? Kestinellos. Uh,
0: Golly,
1: yeah. my gosh. And that Philly fan base is just it's incredible to watch a game in Philadelphia right now. You, you've been like a nut series going on?
0: I have. I uh, they easily disposed of the Dodgers um and uh they they may be the team and and then I I just don't want to count out the Diamondbacks they're they're, they're I, I know fired. they got beat last night um uh, yeah speaking of leaving pictures in a little longer they left they left Galman in pretty long uh fifth inning and maybe into the sixth when he was getting get pretty good um maybe but when you got bad, a when you got a seven game series you can afford to do that in the early games you know let a pitcher eat up a few more innings if, even if he's losing um but yeah Phil, Phillies they sh- they sh- they should repeat it, you know as far as the uh penal winners in the national <laughs> League I do it's like not-
1: the Diamondbacks almost came back what's that yeah well the diamondbacks almost came back they're they're a bad yeah. group and yeah i, think I, the, I don't think that series that.
0: is over i right. i really don't i i think that Um. Uh, I, I like their young talent uh first baseman christian walker is oh, he's good. dynamite yeah uh i think that the uh uh rookie
1: um Corbin Carroll. Carroll is great. He's playing beyond his years. He's done great all year, stealing bases. He's As a rookie, he's like a, a leader of the team. He's like the spark plug on that team. Uh, we may be seeing something pretty special here developing with this kid. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Marte's always been great, but he's yes. kind of overlooked a lot. You're right. Um, they feel like it's nobody's business. So I, I just don't think that's over. I. One thing uh, about the uh, the Phillies, that boy Trey Turner, I thought was a better defensive for shortstop. He's he hasn't impressed me when I watched him through these playoffs. As you know, as far as his fielding goes, Castano's may be one of the worst left fielders of our generation or right fielders as far as fielding. Um, so they the Phillies are not a perfect team. They do have their holes. So that's why that's that's gonna be a uh a series. What did you think about the uh Rangers easily dispose of the uh, Orioles and Nathan Avaldi is pitching his his head off right now? Um oh. what did you think of the uh I said the Phillies took care of the Dodgers, I meant the Braves. Gosh, I hate getting old. Um set up now. I know my Google home is Google not set up yet.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm being talked to by my Google that I need to set her up. Um what do you think about the uh the Rangers and how how briskly they've run through these playoffs? And Ivaldi uh did not have his best stuff and they got that five nothing lead last night, and then the Brewers just chipped away until nothing. But of course, when did the did, did I say the Brewers? I meant the you Astros. The- did the Astros hit four solo home runs or three?
1: I thought they hit three. I thought they hit three, but I'm not sure. I I I, I honestly can't say.
0: Yeah, I know they hit. I I think it was three. They hit. I th- when you when you add Homer a team. Uh, you think you're going to win, um, but they didn't. And that's what a great pitcher like Evaldi will do. Um, if you're going to get me, you're going to get me with the bases empty. I, I'm not giving up the three-round home run. And that's uh, one of the uh, advantages of having a veteran. They they know how to bear down whatever the traffic gets on
1: base. So, uh, you know, I was – I was, I was a big fan of Catfish Hunter, and Catfish Hunter hardly walked anybody. He would challenge everybody, and he would give up two home runs a game, but they would be solo blasts. And he was hugely successful and just a great pitcher. Kids out there, if you don't know much about Catfish Hunter, which is, by the way, one of the greatest nicknames ever, watch him with the Oakland A's in the early 70s. Fantastic. Evaldi's had moments in his career where he's an ace, dominant. He's had some injuries throughout his career. But when he's on, he's as good as anybody. And it seems like, again, Mike Maddox, he's down there working with these guys, I think getting the most out of them. And Vince, sometimes things are just meant to be. Sometimes, no matter how hard you play or how much talent you have, sometimes this other team just, there's something about them. The eighth guy in the lineup gets the big hit. Uh, you, you know, there's the, the, somebody takes the extra base and they're just safe. Everything just seems to be working. Bochy still is using Chapman, who's just kind of a a shell of his, when he was at his very best, but he's going out there battling, giving up some home runs, solo blasts. But he's not quite the same guy he used to be. But this LeClerc kid at the end, they used him for four outs for a save the other night. He gets unnoticed because not, well, just a couple years ago, the Rangers were losing a hundred games a year. Like the Orioles, and people weren't really noticing the team, but Leclerc was always one of the better relievers. He just didn't get much of an opportunity. And uh this team just seems to be gelling. They have a kid that came up at the end of the year named Evan Carter. And Vince he's hitting 350, but he's playing left field like Paul Blair or something. He's jumping on the wall, grabbing balls, doubling up people at first base. Uh he's just a spark plug this kid came out of nowhere what a story i don't know what kind of career he's going to have but man at the moment he's the probably the toast of the town um they've also got uh oh uh cory secret shortstop seems he's, to really be he's unconscious right now he's yeah and they just absolutely love them, and you know the Dodgers can't. The Dodgers and, and were a team that's just so good, and they had so many pitching problems. They faded, but this Ranger team, a young team. Now, did they play Baltimore in the in the last round? Was it the Orioles yes. and the Rangers? Yes. I was surprised how how fast they took out the Orioles. The Orioles are going to be dangerous for years to come, and I just thought, man, this could be the team. But the Rangers are Steady Eddie. They're getting great, and they're getting Max Scherzer back tonight. Are tomorrow night. And if Max Scherzer, I mean, you know, he's going to go out there. They're going to have to drag him off the mound. He's going to give you everything he's got. And if Scherzer is anything close to what he can do, oh man, that's a, that's a tough threesome coming at you right there. Yeah. Simeon hadn't hit until last
0: night. So he's starting to hit. Uh, this is what you need to know about the Rangers and why they're so hot. Eighth place hitter young, the third baseman, hitting 333 in the playoffs. Ninth place hitter Tavares, center fielder hitting three forty eight in the playoffs. So they're hitting up and down the lineup. Um, other players, you know, we we've mentioned Alvarez, who's unconscious right now. I don't know why anybody's pitching to him. He he's having such a great uh, postseason run, and uh, Abreu has shown up uh, in the postseason, and that's been a uh, really cool to see. Corey Seager, we mentioned. Uh, we mentioned uh, the rookie Carter. Um, And for the Phillies, um, you you look at uh, Harper and Castellanos right now, it's like, wow, Um, they're carrying that team. And, you know, pick your poison, you know, because you also got Schwarber, you got Turner, you got Bohm, you got that. They're just a loaded lineup up and down. Um, But also you look at the Diamondbacks, man, uh, Corbin Carroll's having a heck of a postseason. Uh, Oh, yes, sir. I hope they don't run out of steam, but there's been some great performances in the playoffs so far. And uh, I think it's been a lot of fun to watch. I, I've i enjoyed the playoffs this year. I enjoyed them last year. Um, I, I've enjoyed the playoffs more the last couple of years than I have, I don't know, previously. And it could be because I'm doing a podcast, so I'm paying a lot more attention to them. <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, I, I like to see the individual performances uh, and uh, players like Carter who come out of nowhere to just – What a lot of story. Here I
1: am. Yeah, 21 years old. Vince, one of the things I noticed that really has caught my eye is, is these batters like Carter has seven walk- – and, and now this is all the playoffs combined that he's played in. Seven walks, four strikeouts. And this is against the best pitchers in – Baseball has. He's out there battling and getting on base and making things happen. Uh, and he's 21. He's just 21. Just 21. He's not. And these kids today, they don't seem like I'm, Vince. If you took me out there when I'm 21 years old, I'm going to crap myself. I'd be overwhelmed. All these fans, especially in Philadelphia, I, I'd want my mom. I got to get out of here. I can't take these people calling me names and yelling at me and screaming. You can't even hear yourself think. But uh, Corey Seeger, 11 walks, six strikeouts. Um Carol, uh, six walks, three strikeouts. Um, and then of course, uh Bryce Harper, eight walks, five strikeouts. These guys are working those pitchers, getting into the bullpen, and it's just the beauty of baseball. Every at bat is like a battle, and you're wearing that pitcher out and making the defense work and finding out, you know, it's just it's beautiful. It's like a ballet. And uh man, it's been so much fun, and I can't wait to see who comes out of this. This tournament has been so much fun. The Cardinals, horrible year, but I have loved the season. And so many good things happen across the the league. So that's my take on the playoffs right there. Yeah, one more thing,
0: one more little tidbit. Bryce Harper has now played 50 playoff games, and he's hit 15 home runs. (laughs) You know who the only other person who's hit 15 home runs in their first 50 postseason games are?
1: Babe Ruth, maybe?
0: Babe Ruth, yeah, Babe so Ruth, he's man, some elite company right there.
1: That may be one of the best free agent signings, one of those big free agent long signings. He is so over in Philadelphia that that's really worked out for everybody. There yeah, for, for,
0: for, for. yeah. Well, before we uh, jump into our spotlight, I'm I need to take a little break, listen to a little Jeremy Conner, oh. get myself centered in life. How about you, JJ?
1: Oh, there's nothing better than a little Jeremy Connor in your life. Let's do
0: it. Comes a time in every man's life when he needs some advice on relationships. You need to listen to the podcast DMDR, which stands for Dating, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage from my good friend, Jeremy Connor, the Dr. Phil of the Boot Hill. You can find DMDR on Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Oh Jeremy, you made me happy again.
1: Oh yeah.
0: JJ and I are going to do a spotlight on a couple of uh players. Um and I'm going to do uh Rig Stevenson. <laughs> Who are you gonna do, JJ?
1: The big man himself, Lee Smith.
0: Oh, I thought you were the Lee say Smith. God. <laughs> You want you want to go first? You
1: want me to go first? I don't care. I'll go. I'll go first. I'll go first. Lee Arthur Smith, a great
0: Robert cub,
1: a great cub. Matter of fact, he's in the Hall of Fame, and he's as a cub as it should be. Played played. Uh, let's see how many years with those Cubbies. Eight years, nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty seven, and had a two point four ERA and one hundred eighty saves for the Cubs. And I'm going to tell you something. This is how I feel about him. First off, when he's on the other team, I respect him. Like, oh, we got to get a lead because they got Lee Smith down in the bullpen. And when he's on your team, you're like, we only got to get through seven innings, maybe eight. And then we got Lee Smith coming in to finish this game off. Uh, I'll get into that. But he was an opposing man. He was six foot or he is. I'm sorry. Six foot six. And uh, I got a 265 pounds. That is a big man. And there's nothing about – Lee Smith was never in a hurry. I don't know how he'd do with his pitch clock today. He'd lumber in there. He's from Louisiana. He'd walk out of the mound, take a deep breath, and just – he. it was no surprise. Here he comes. He'd reach back and wham, man, he'd throw that ball in there. And he was just something to see. Uh, great career. 18 years he played, and he played with a lot of teams. I'll kind of go through this real quickly with some of the teams he was with. He's with the Cubs. Uh, and he's in the hall of fame with the Cubs as it should be. He was a red Sox for three years. Uh, he went from the red Cubs to the red Sox. Then he comes over here to the Cardinals and he played four years with us, 90 to 93. Then he goes up to the Yankees for a year, the Orioles for a year, the angels for two years, the reds for a year. And he ended with the Montreal Expos. And yes, I said, Montreal Expos. That was a team kids out there. The Montreal Expos, um, uh, I'm telling you what, I absolutely loved him Louis, um, a Louisiana man. Um, he when he was with the Cardinals, though, we weren't a very good team. Uh about 89, Augie Bush, the owner of the team, passed away. Whitey was done with it. The brewery took over the team, and they just didn't have mm, it was a money-making thing, and they just didn't really put a lot into the team. We were going with a bunch of young kids and older veterans that were kind of still in the league. We had, like, Pedro Guerrero for a little bit, Greg Jeffries, and a young team of Nazi and Zeal and Bernard Gilkey and Ray Lankford, people like that, hard-hitting Mark Witten. And we would always be around fourth place those five years. But Lee Smith was one of the – Bob Tewksbury, uh, who came out I don't know. Where and had a very nice career for us in those years, but Lee Smith was the big man. And Lee Smith was only here four years, and he is second all time in Cardinal saves, only behind Jason Israelhausen, who played a lot longer. For us, he had one hundred sixty saves in a two point nine zero ERA, and one year. So I am going to read off a few little stats for him. Uh, Lee was second in Cardinal history in saves, like I said, only to Israelhausen, who had uh, it's uh, Lee Lee had one hundred sixty saves, and Israelhausen had two hundred seventeen. He had uh, 10 years where he got 10 or more saves. That's dominance right there. That's fantastic. But he had three years where he got 40 or more saves. Uh, when He ret- he was three-time Rolade Relief Pitcher of the Year. I have to say that slowly so I can get that out. Three-time the best reliever in the game. Uh, he also, when he retired, he was the top, uh guy in saves the absolute top he had passed jeff reardon who was another expo uh uh, pitcher who was the leader and then lee smith passed him to become the leader but since then we've had two people pass him uh trevor hoffman and the great mariano rivera so lee is now third place all time in saves which is that's pretty good company uh all those guys are hall of famers right there um and also in 1991 as a cardinal he finished second for the Cy Young only to lose it. And that year he had 47 saves, only to come in second place to Tom Glavin, who had a monster year that year. So Lee Smith, what a career. What a year. I met him in the 90s at a uh, the Cardinals used to have a thing on Tuesday nights where they put some players out there and you'd go through and they'd sign your cards. I got three cards signed by him and it's all three phases of his thing. One where he's like this, one where he's like that, one where he's like that. Mm. And I'm, I got, I got a few items. You know me, I'm a, I'm a collector. I got all kinds of items. So I didn't, I didn't get the cards. I wish I'd brought those cards out, but I didn't get them, but here's, they had a Lee Smith uh, uh, day at the ballpark recently. And there is the Lee Smith bobblehead right there. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. It's not too far from it. He would just take a deep breath, reach back, and just fire the ball past you. So that's the Lee Smith uh, bobblehead. And when Vince said, hey, let's do a a spotlight, I said, oh, yeah, all right, perfect timing because just this week I met Lee Smith at uh, Westport at uh, one of the hotels. They had a big card show, and Lee Smith was there. And so I got a bunch of stuff signed by him before I even knew we were going to do this segment. The first thing is a picture, and there's a Lee Smith right there. Uh, in, nice. in color, of course, I had to get a card to one. I didn't get the other teams. And um, 400, and he wrote Lee Smith, 478 saves. Uh, he looks good. I, I think he's getting near the 70-year-old uh, age right now. He's getting up there in the years, but he still looks good. He's got that beard, but it's got some salt and pepper in it now. Uh, I have a ball signed by him, and I put some statistics on there. And that goes into my little area where I have all my baseballs. But there's Lee Smith with all the saves, 478 saves. And he put Hall of Famer on there. So that's pretty cool. And this is the creme de la creme, Vince. The creme de la creme right here. I got a Cardinal jersey, Lee Smith, and it's authenticated, signed by Lee Smith. Right there. Wow. Right there. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? So I'm, t- I'm <laughs> we're not eating this week we're just eating cereal for supper all right that's been all my <laughs> on my collection <laughs> it's kind of sad times here at the Jackson house but Lee Smith is the guy I wanted the spotlight and guys if you get a chance go watch video of him he's just one of those guys there's not many of them like him in baseball to today you knew all you had to do get 24 outs hand the ball over to Lee Smith and 98 percent of the time, you're going home with a W. So that's my spotlight on the great Lee Arthur Smith.
0: Now, one memory I have of Lee Smith in that 84 season when the Cubs won the division, um, Smith was our closer. And I don't remember who we're playing. I think it's an, it's an August game, September game. And uh, it, I guess uh, the tying run was on base. There were two outs in the ninth. And the hitter hit a line drive off of Lee Smith's hip and it bounced up right to another Cub. And Harry Carey's like, God wants the Cubs to win. God wants the Cubs to win. Holy cow. Awesome. Oh, man, that is great.
1: Harry Carey,
0: one of a kind too, man. Oh, yeah. Lee Smith, when he first came up with the Cubs, he threw smoke. And then as he... Got older, he started relying more on his curveball, uh, us- using his curveball to set up the fastball, uh, which is what we call pitching backwards. Um, you know, when you throw hard, you use your fastball to set up your curveball. You know, and that's that would be your swing and miss pitch. Um, but he got older when the velocity went down. He pitched a lot of curveballs and he'd sneak the fastball by you. Yeah, and a uh, very intelligent pitcher. And uh, yeah, I always loved Lee Smith, great guy. I'm going to look at Rick Stevenson. And being it's postseason time, Rick Stevenson was a postseason player for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, he's kind of a forgotten postseason hero because at that time, the postseason was just the World Series. And he played in two World Series for the Cubs, and he was tremendous in both of them and I'll I'll get into that. He was born in Akron, uh, Alabama. He originally played basketball or baseball and football at the uh, University of Alabama. He was a quarterback and fullback for the football team. Um, He was so good that he was all Southern fullback in 1919 and 1920. But uh, Stevenson, he He sustained a shoulder injury at a football game in 1920 when he dropped back and was tackled by a pair of linebackers, got hit, and uh, he injured his right shoulder so bad that uh, it put an end to his football career as a quarterback, and as a result, that affected his baseball, too, because he, he couldn't throw accurately anymore because of the shoulder injury. Now, in today's game, you get a shoulder injury, you get surgery, the necessary surgery and everything. You try to rehab it, you know. This was in the early 20s. Oh, it hurt your shoulder. Gosh, you yeah, know, it's going to be hard to bail hay, you know, because you're not going to be playing football anymore. So uh, he, he had that to overcome in his uh, baseball career. So his throwing problems made it difficult for him to turn double plays because he was a middle infielder in college. And, um, he just couldn't do that anymore. So he, he really had to compensate for his poor defense by becoming a great hitter. And that's what he did. He quit school at Alabama and he immediately jumped in professional baseball and, uh, he signed with the defending world champions, Cleveland Indians at the age of 23. So he made his major league debut, um, on April 13th, 1921. And he played very limited time, uh, for the, uh, Indians at that time, the guardians. Now, um, his weak arm throwing difficulties made it very difficult for him to play second base. And, uh, in 54 games, he had 17 errors. You know, that's Hanley Ramirez type defense here at second base. So, um, he had to get off that position and, um, but they had to play him somewhere. So he played some third base, played some outfield. The reason they had to play him is because he was hitting great. He had uh, played 65 games his uh, rookie year. He had 68 hits, including 17 doubles, and he batted 330. And uh, that kind of became his M.O. He's a 330 hitter, um, no matter if he can't field. So he spent five years in Cleveland and was a 337 lifetime hitter, um, but it was mostly part-time due to his fielding limitations, and he was frequently injured. So before the 26th season, he was traded to the Cubs. Well, he, he started uh, playing with the Cubs in 26, um, spent the whole season in left field, um, he was a part-time player. He batted 338, uh, 95 hits. He uh, played just 82 games, so a little over half the season. Uh, but it was the following season, his seventh season in the majors, that was his first complete season of his career. So he's in seven years. This is his first complete season. And he responds. He played all 100. He paid up, played 152 of the 154 games. He batted three forty-four with a four on on-base percentage. Uh, his average was the fourth highest in the national league that year. And uh, he led the league in doubles with 46. Uh, he finished fifth in the league in hits and seventh in the leagues and run scored with 101. And he placed 20th in the MVP voting. So that was kind of a breakout year, but then he had a couple more years where he just couldn't stay on the field. So, uh, fast forward to 1929 he's he's injury free for the first time since that 1927 season or 26 season with the cubs and he responds with a 362 batting average a 445 on base percentage um and both of those were fifth highest in the league so it was an offensive time uh for the league but he finished with 17 home runs he was never a home run hitter but this was uh A lot of power for him, Uh, but he had 110 RBIs and 179 hits, and he placed 23rd in the MVP voting. So he teamed up with fellow Cubs outfielder and now Hall of Famer, uh, Kiki Cuellar and Hack Wilson, and they were the only outfield trio still, to my knowledge, in National League history to drive in 100 runs each in the season. So that outfield was very productive for the Cubs in the 1929 season, but he was, uh, he saved his best for the world series in 1929 uh, Cubs lost four games to one to the Phillies, uh, Connie max, excuse me, to the athletics, Connie max, Philadelphia athletics. Um, but in game three, Rick Stevenson set a world series record that still holds today. He collected six hits in game three, including a double. So he does hold that record. So even though the Cubs lost 4-1, to he had a very strong showing in the World Series and kind of became a star around Chicago. He was a good player. He was looked at as a player who was good, but was injured all the time. This kind of put him in celebrity status in Chicago. But after that season, he had a couple more seasons where he battled injury, and he was always, whenever he was in, he hit. And he hit well above 300 when he was in there, but he couldn't stay in. so. He uh, came back in 1932 and played another complete season, and he had the most at-bats in his career that year. He had 583 at-bats, hit 324, and he led the team with 85 RBIs. He had a career-best 49 doubles, and uh, he finished fifth in the MVP voting. The 1932 Cubs won the pennant over the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, but were swept by the Yankees. In the World Series that featured Babe Ruth, called shot home run. So uh, Rig Stevenson was right there getting pointed at by the Babe, uh, if you believe the Babe's version. But other people say he's just pointing towards the day out because the Cubs are chirping at him. But in the World Series, he collected eight hits. He drove in four runs and batted 444 for the, for the team in the series. So he's two World Series with the Cubs, and he was a standout player, both of those. Uh, due injuries, injuries, uh, he just couldn't play anymore. 1934 was his last season. But these are his career numbers, and it's kind of a sad story because this was a guy who was like George Sisler. Um, wasn't a great power hitter, but he was just a great pure hitter, but he just couldn't stay on the field due to a football injury. But he only had 4,508 at-bats in the major leagues, but he hit 336. Really good. That's cool. He had a 407 wow. on base percentage. He had an 890 uh, OPS. He only struck out 247 times in 4,500 at bats. So that's, that's a that's about a five percent. That's really, really, really good. Um, he did great on retirement. He opened up a car dealership in uh, Tuscaloosa and he opened up a lumber yard in Akron, Alabama. So he had these two businesses and he was one of those uh, baseball players that, you know, kind of gained his wealth after playing uh, as an astute business one. Uh, But A few of the uh, tidbits about him. Um, he has the highest lifetime batting average of eligible 20th century players, not in the hall of fame. Uh, because of his short career, only 1,310 games and only 4,508 at bats. He was barely long enough for official recognition among career leaders. So if you take career leaders and career batting average, it's like a season, you know, season you have to have 502 plate appearances to be considered for the batting champion. To look at career average, you can't just say, well, this guy played 16 games and hit 402. You know, he's the best hitter ever. Now they there's, there's a criteria. And he barely makes that criteria. The only player that is on that list um, above him that is not the Hall of Fame, can you guess? Shoeless Which... Joe Jackson. Oh, yeah. wow. So um, he... Uh, for the Cubs, he had a 336 career batting average, uh, which is his major league. He was terribly consistent. His uh, batting average for the uh, Indians was 337 Batting average for the Cubs, 336 Lifetime batting average, 336. That ties my favorite player as a kid, Bill Madlock. 336 was his Cubs career batting average, too. So uh, that's pretty cool. He had over 312 times in his career, you know, um in every season but two in the big leagues he had at least 300 but like i said because of the injuries he was mostly a part-time player. he received only a total of eight uh votes uh when his first year of eligibility in the hall of fame and uh the veterans ballot has passed on him a few times he's failed to pick up any votes there which i can't blame them he just didn't play long enough but rick stevenson for the old timers um Uh, Like my grandfather, um, who was a lifelong Cub fan, he was one of their most popular players. And being they didn't win either of those World Series, he doesn't have the World Series lore of some of these other great players who were on winners. But every time he was in the World Series, Manny showed up and he gave it his all. And I just wanted to give him a little bit of recognition because a lot of people have never even heard of him when he's one of the greatest hitters to ever play the game.
1: Vince that was great and I love the history lesson. I didn't know Rick Stevens, I'll be honest with you and I I kind of call myself a baseball historian. Uh thank you so much and uh I'm going to pay attention from now on and look, you know, keep him in mind and look up some stuff on him. Fantastic. That's what I like about this. We learn it's a nice to learn about these players. I've kind of picked an easy one, Lee Smith, but that was a great one, man. Woo. Well, and I
0: was aware of him as a kid because I read an article in, in a baseball digest about him. And, you know, I was like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, you know, I'm a Cub fan. I'm, you know, I'm devouring everything I can about baseball history at this time. I'm reading every baseball book. On, and there's Rig Stevenson, one of the greatest Cub hitters ever. I'm thinking, I've never heard of this guy. And so I read the article. and was like, oh, wow. You know? And so I can I can talk to Cub fans and talk about Rick Stevenson. Who's he? Well, only one of the greatest Cub hitters
1: ever that nobody's ever heard of. I but, love it. I'm am going to find something to him and I'm going to put him up somewhere. Yeah, and I'm and, put him in you, the know, here.
0: you read so many stories about players in in those days when they retired um, because baseball players weren't highly educated and. You know, very few of them went to college. A lot of them were off the farm, and a lot of them had really difficult times making it life after baseball. Some did. Some did great. Ty Cobb did great. He invested with Coca Cola oh, yeah. and became a billionaire. Um, but you know, you you have all these Grover Cleveland Alexander's and and um, oh, what's his name, the catcher who had such a hard time. <laughs> mickey cochran you know these really? uh joe jackson you know he had a hard time after retirement he had that stigma too so i think it's really cool when you read about one of these players from the early years of baseball that got out and and actually continued to
1: do something oh, yeah.
0: at a high level in a different field
1: and and baseball uh you know these guys laid the groundwork for what was to come and the kind of lifestyles that the players today enjoy and i like how baseball even back in the 70s would have the guys from the 50s come back and honor them and and keep that you know stories going and uh man vince that was great i absolutely that right there that the dave kingman and that one that's my favorite too right there they were great
0: Uh, thank you i
1: (laughs) thought your favorite would
0: be the uh bb richards one but
1: well yeah that was good too that was good too (laughs) uh well i have an upper
0: deck 1990 edition uh yeah nice foil package you know this yes this this is this is premium
1: for vince so what are you opening this is top notch well we're in the same time zone i'm opening 91 top stadium clubs so we've got a lot of real nice picture cards coming in this one you, you want to go first? Because that set as... Upper Deck did a great job with some of their photography and those pictures of those cards. Oh. Oh, you're opening them so delicately. You're holding the Cards have been in here for almost 35 years.
0: Unmolested. And now I'm pulling them out. And I see Brad Holman for the Mariners. Who looks just like Matt yes, Gates. <laughs> and then I like the back of the card. I like the pictures in the back. Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah. The, top, the best. The best. Uh Don Paul D-O-N-N. I've never heard of him.
1: I just played for the White Sox. I don't know much about him. uh
0: Brad Kaminsk. I remember him for the yes indians hey we That's had him picture. last week former cub mel hall
1: Hall, oh, yeah here's a picture on the back yeah
0: oh uh, let's yeah, see he's, good. he's very athletic 17 home runs that year for the yankees very good season i have a hall of famer <laughs> cal Ripken jr uh, i love that picture too Great picture. Uh, Cubs, color man, and a great left-hander. Jim,
1: two silhouettes on Deshaies. Look at that knee coming up. That's a Juan Marichal style right there.
0: What? What's this? (laughs) Cardinal Chris Carpenter.
1: There was two two Chris Carpenter's. There were two. There was the one that came up from Toronto. And then it was this guy who was, you know, he had a cup of coffee in the big leagues.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't remember him. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, there oh, was, there very was... good pitcher for the expos, Bryn Smith.
1: Oh yeah. Uh real good friends with Giddy Lee from the band Rush.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I have an Angels hologram oh, sticker. Yeah. Very nice. Very, very cool. Uh that's Former Michigan quarterback, All-American quarterback, Rick Leach. Oh, yes. Had him a few weeks ago. Uh, Mickey Weston. I was president of his fan club, so I don't know who he (laughs) is. How many members? Me? (laughs) Former University of Missouri quarterback, Phil Bradley.
1: Oh, yeah. Very
0: good. Former closer for the Orioles and the Mets, Don Ossie.
1: Oh, yes. Top of the uh, alphabet.
0: Former pitcher for the – pitch for the Phillies. I'm trying to think of who else he pitched for. Jason Grimsley.
1: I couldn't tell. Maybe Orioles. Maybe he was an Oriole.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking that. Oh, this was a very good hitter. He played for the Reds. He played for the Yankees. Hal Morris.
1: Yes, very good player.
0: Oh my gosh! And here's the kid, Ken Griffey Jr.
1: Look at that Look smile at
0: the on the back. Look at that smile.
1: Oh yeah, he had to be 20 years old there, I think.
0: <laughs> and that's a great commercial that they've got going on right now, uh, with him and his wife and the umpire.
1: That, that's can, awesome. Kicking the leaves back in his yard. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's good. great. Vince, let's be honest, I have the worst luck of all. I am Schlepprock from the Flintstones. All right, I want to show you I this reference. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Pat Ryan, if you're out there somewhere, you probably enjoyed that one. All right. I look at this Stadium Club Tops 1991. What I didn't realize, here's the first card, Vince, and I swear I did not know this. This is. Uh... Let me find somebody I recognize here. All right. This is Kevin Porter. Does that name ring a bell? Probably not because he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. These are football cards, Vince. These are football cards. They see me coming. Oh, my God. I thought, hey, I'll buy some of these stadium cards. Well, I didn't know they were football cards. Look at that. Oh, man, what a ripoff. Golly. Oh, here's one for you. I got to see this guy play. I've only been to like three NFL games. Mark Rippin from the uh, Redskins right there. Look at him drop it back. How about that? So we're doing football cards. How about that? Well, maybe I'll get somebody big or Earl Campbell or somebody like that. Uh, I don't even know what team. This is Green Bay. It looks like Scott Steven. <laughs> hey, next week, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be opening soccer cards, okay? So uh, enjoy this while you can golly uh minnesota viking anthony carter These, I hey. ring, yeah that rings a bell look at that that's, that's probably a 15 cent card right there how about that ladies and gentlemen um well that ain't even a pro, a pro. this is this is college football look at that it's nebraska man vince i can't even get a, a pack of pro players oh what a ripoff let's see who's i don't even know who that is I can't. oh chicago bear oh sean gale does that name ring a bell chicago bear sean gale he defensive yeah. back yeah maybe maybe it it doesn't say i i don't trust his cards anyway what the heck and uh oh 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 a ram i remember this name i don't i couldn't tell you a thing about him Flipper Anderson, look at that! Oh, There's wide over- receiver! Yeah, look at that right there. He's probably looking at the ref, seeing if he's over, you know offsides right there. How about that? He uh he he had a
0: game where he had like 300 yards receiving. I remember that.
1: How about that? I'll be darned. Yeah, he, he
0: had one huge game.
1: Flipper Anderson. When's the last time you heard that name? Flipper Anderson. I need a cool nickname. I want to be Flipper Jackson. Here we go. This guy might be a hall of famer here uh Leroy Butler from the Packers all right there the cheese heads yeah I don't know Leroy Butler and the final one, uh, oh, Seattle Seahawk, Tommy Kane right there all right go Tommy Kane I love uh,
0: football <laughs> and I remember some players but I never I never geeked out on a like baseball
1: no <laughs> did, did you did you have a favorite football player while well, we were Open them cards. Did you have an all-time favorite football player that you just loved?
0: Uh I I really like Joe. I, I I was I the year that the Cardinals moved to Arizona, the football Cardinals moved to Arizona, I moved to Kansas City. So I adopted the Chiefs. And then a few years later they got Joe Montana. So at that time, Joe Montana was about my favorite player. Uh when I was a kid, I liked uh I liked the Football Cardinals, and I really liked Mel Gray, the wide receiver, all for wide receiver. Oh, and uh, I uh, went to see Dan Dudaorf once in a mall, you know, or you know, he was showing up at the mall and everything. So I, I, I liked him. So I also I liked Lyle Alzado because he was mean, and I wasn't. He was very mean. So, yeah, I wish I could be <laughs> that mean on a football field,
1: but. Earl Campbell, for me, they he had the biggest guys I've Campbell. ever seen. He'd run people over. They'd rip his jersey off. He'd take the whole team on. And the, I think the Oilers' offense was uh, uh, power right, power left, hand it to Earl. He'd, take, he'd get you three to five yards the hard way. But Earl Campbell was something special, man. That guy, whoo, something else. Sorry, Vince. I did not know they were football cards. I'm going to have to look a little closer next time. Golly.
0: Well, I hope some of you people who are football fans enjoyed that walk down memory lane, that unexpected walk down memory lane. And um, next week, we'll be back with our uh, next episode. Me, I'm your host, Vince, and my co-host, Schlepp Rock. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know who Schlepp Rock is, boy, your Saturday morning cartoon (laughs) time in the 70s was lacking. The golden age. The golden age. Well, JJ, thank you. Uh, thank let's you, go. Uh, let's let's go with the uh, finish of the playoffs. And so I guess by the time we get back here, we'll know who's in the World Series. Oh, it's getting good. Awesome, JJ. You have a good one. You too, Vince.